Well, that was a waste of a day, at least one so far. Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Vingan, and the Predators have dro- driven my son to cry. <laughs> Listen, um, we have some things to discuss today. This is going to be a pretty short episode. We'll try to do some of these on each game, um, at least on the weekdays. We'll be back uh, on Monday morning and then after game two, of course, as well. Um, but, uh, Adam, I, <laughs> I'm not even sure what to tell people about what we're going to talk about. We'll see if there's supposed to be some adjustments to be made for game number two. Uh, I've got some thoughts on Colorado. I, I may have to rethink <laughs> defining success or failure for the competitive rebuild if they continued to get hammered the way they did. Um, obviously, please go to Jasper's, of course, because the gold standard brought to you by Jasper. Still great drink specials, of course, over on West End. Uh, free parking. The game room is a huge hit. They got the best air. I I would argue this, Adam. They have the best air hockey table in the city. I have not found a better one yet. So. What makes it a good air hockey table? It is. It has perfect airflow on every every, uh, inch of the playing surface. I'm assuming that's because it's brand new. Do you know what I mean? Like the puck flies and sits up perfectly on every square inch of the surface. And it's got an electronic counter, and it's and it's free. Like, it's just the best one, man. I, I, if I find a better one, I'll tell you, Jasper's. But I haven't found one yet. So, um, go go to Jasper's free parking, great drink specials for all the Preds stuff. Of course, pays for good journalism at the Athletic, and check check out the 440 Sports YouTube page and all the other great shows from the network. So make sure you're subscribed. Okay, I'm going to start with just a headline from the uh, I believe this is the Denver Post. I believe. Okay. Um, Playing with no quit tenacity, these are not the avalanche that Matt Duchesne bailed on. Oh. <laughs> that, that didn't take long. Much like the first period of the Predators game against Colorado on Tuesday evening, that didn't take long. I remember I remember the Denver Post going out of its way, the columnist specifically. Who wrote that article, by the way? Uh, Kisla, I think. Yes. Is yeah. it Mark Kisla? I think so. Yeah. 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 He's been, he's been a columnist in Denver for a long time. And when the, these two teams met in the postseason a few years ago, I felt like he went out of his way to take shots at Nashville as a, as a hockey market. And I feel like he made it quite apparent that he didn't like PK Subban very much. Yeah. Um, so it, it it's not out of character that, you know, one game into a playoff series that the the pitchforks in Denver are already out for Matt Duchesne, who scored twice last night in the only <laughs> positive development of the no, I, Nope, 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 nope. I don't even think that was the most positive development that, of the game. That, let me guess what you think the most positive development okay, was. Okay, okay. So let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, <laughs> okay, go ahead. That we were proven correct <laughs> that David Riddick is not up to this particular task and that Condor Ingram came in and performed well in a tough spot. No, no. Okay. Let me be, uh, that's a great guess. And I am extremely proud and have no problem gloating that I told you it was going to be six, one in game one and that Condor Ingram would start game two. I tried to tell you guys, we tried to tell you, you were a little bit more hesitant than, than me, but I think you were kind of on board with that. And it was worse. <laughs> Seven to two. No, um, but but here's the deal though. I don't view that as a like a positive. Like I I'm not happy that we were right about that. I just we're just trying to do the best job of giving you our opinion of what we think's going to happen or what we see. 
And so that's what we thought was going to happen. And I thought it was comical that anybody else thought otherwise. But I don't. I wish I was wrong. I don't want to be right about that. Um, no, I thought the best thing that happened on the Tuesday night game was Matthew Olivier trying to get in a fight with Landis Gog at the end of it. Like okay. th- they showed more. They showed more. Whatever you want to call it, in that like thirty-five seconds that they did the entire game. And I guess we can get into the game real fast. There's not really a whole lot to talk about. It was it, like, bad. Like you're going to talk about your secondhand embarrassment in just a second. I'm I'm assuming. Um, but when you get like, if you're, if you, if you don't have your star goaltender and you're going in a heavy underdog against a team, that's the best in the Western conference with like five or six, seven, I think 20 goal scorers on their team, just elite level talent. You, you probably can't put your backup goaltender who is very much subpar, uh, into a power play situation two minutes into the game. Like you just, you just can't do that. And then of course he's out of the game with 15 minutes not even 15 minutes are gone, I think, or about 15 minutes he gets pulled after giving up five goals. Connor Ingram faces 32 shots the rest of the way and only gives up two goals, which I, I would argue is a pretty noble performance. But you know that Colorado sort of was off the gas pedal at that point. So um, there's not a whole lot to discuss with the game itself. Yeah, well, I wanted you to do... So I know your secondhand embarrassment was strong on Tuesday evening, and I was hoping you could do The Voice along with the secondhand embarrassment, but that is a tough needle to thread. It is, and I'll find a way to use the voice before the end of this short podcast. Um, but as I've mentioned many times on on this show, um, I uh, tend to get a terrible secondhand embarrassment, um, and I have a hard time watching other people. Basically, I have a hard time watching other people get embarrassed. So when that game was getting to be three or four nothing, it was very hard for me to watch. Um, I, I think I think I think many Predators I, uh, fans share that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it, look, I, I had a uh, I had a spirited conversation. Is there any other kind with one Jared Stillman uh, over the course uh, of the game? Um, you know, because you know his viewpoint was that the five nothing deficit was not David Riddick's fault that the team in front of him made it near impossible for him to play well. Now, two things can be true. I think the Predators absolutely played like hot garbage in in the first period of that game. But David Riddick did not help at all. Um, I, I appreciate his tenacity, you know, running out of the crease like a bat out of hell to to prevent Nathan McKinnon from getting a breakaway, which by the way would have had a ninety nine point nine percent chance of going in <laughs> if if McKinnon that, would have had a is that official? Up. Is that from Sport Logic? Is that is that official? That's expected goals for you for you, baby. Nathan McKinnon bearing down on David Riddick would have not ended well for a, the Predators. A one hundred and five percent chance of scoring. <laughs> yes, that is the most expected goal of all time. Um, oh, so. Man. Uh, look, look, Riddick, we knew this. Riddick is not a good goaltender. He is a sub-replacement level goaltender, or maybe to be less harsh, a replacement level goaltender. Either way, he's not good. And we knew that. And when we talked about which goaltender should start game one, you were firmly on the side of Connor Ingram. I looked at it more from the Predators perspective that they were going to give the goalie that was with them all season, an opportunity 
to start game one. And, and John Hines basically said as much uh, when he announced that David Riddick was going to start. But I think it's evident at this point that, I mean, look, the series is probably a lost cause, but Riddick, Riddick is not good, period. I wish there was no, a I more know. eloquent there's... way of saying it, but and, there's and not. It's... And at least with Ingram, at least with Ingram, there's an element of unpredictability. Yeah. And I thought Ingram, like I said, performed well in a tough spot. And, and you know, I'm glad I... I'm glad that his parents were there to see that. His parents made the 15-hour drive from Imperial Saskatchewan to Denver uh, to be at the game last night. Um, it was, uh, I think they, if they, if can, I what, hey, hey, can the Preds not get these guys on a flight? Like, what are we doing? 15 hours? Well, well, they're used to making that no, drive um, because. Uh, when when um, when Connor played in British Columbia in junior, they would regularly make fifteen hour drives to see him play. Some but, people just like. I know to drive. I agree, but isn't I the mean, point of being the parent that does all that work for the kid who makes it big in the pros to like have the kid in the pros pay for them to fly to come watch him play? Like, isn't that sort of the point? Well, it's also <laughs> as you might imagine that as you might imagine there there aren't that many. Uh, Airports within close proximity of Imperial Saskatchewan. I can Saskatchewan. hear you googling right now. <laughs> yes, so um, like Saskatoon might be the closest airport, and I don't know if they have international flights right now. Just get um, just get across the border so, and and just fly on down. I don't know. Anyway, I'm glad that his parents were there yeah. uh, to yeah. see the game, um, and hopefully he'll start on Thursday, yep. and he'll so, you know, look. I, you there, know, I just like if there is one positive, let's let's okay. do this right. one positive. Okay. If there is a positive, it's the fact that if you would have told me a year plus ago that Connor Ingram, the day that he decided to to enter the player assistance program, was going to be starting an NHL playoff game, you know, I'm not sure I would have believed you. I, I think it's a great story, which we've chronicled before. I just think the fact that Connor Ingram is in a place now where he can play at a high level after what he went through, I think is commendable. I, I, so one, let's, let's, yes. get, let's yeah, even if back. he goes zero and three, I one million percent agree to be able to come back and be on the ice as a starting goaltender in the playoffs under whatever circumstances. Uh, I, I think you, I think is absolutely something to be appreciated um, and understood. I think it's important that you understand why you should appreciate it, and it's not just like. You know that he got a chance as a third stringer or whatever. Like I think it's important to understand his journey, and and you've written about it. People have written about it. So uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go make sure you kind of read up on the backstory for Connor Ingram, which again I think is uh, to your point. I think is a remarkable. It's remarkable, and so I just think he there's an to your point element of unknown. I think he's got he's got more like pure raw talent and ability, which I said on the show last week. I think he's been playing more regularly. I just think he gives you. I think he gives you the better chance to win, and by better chance to win, Adam, I mean. You go from a two percent chance to a seven percent chance to win the series. Okay, so I'm not suggesting that he's going to save the day here, and and I'm not going to ever repeat this, but Stillman is right. <laughs> oh my god! In that, the rest of the team has to help out too. <laughs> like this is not. Do that. Let's. let's oh, here's a it's not just one guy's problem here. Here's a trivia question for you. So in the Predators' past ten games, so that's last night and the final nine regular season games, starting with the shutout loss to the Edmonton Oilers. How many goals have the Predators allowed in those 10 games? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing at this. I'm going to say 41. 
they have allowed 49 oh, goals in the past 10 games for a solid 4.9 goals against Yikes. average. Yeah, 49. Yeah, that's a team. Goals. That's a team effort there because a lot of those were Soros. So um, that that's a team effort. There's no question. Here's the other. So we think Ingram should start game two. Is there are there any other changes that like that even matter at this point? Like I'm not trying to be dismissive here. All right. I, here's one change. Here's one change I think needs to be made that's not going to be made. Luke Cunningham's got to get out of the lineup, okay. man. I I I don't know what you know what dirt he has on the coaching staff. Wow. Um, but for, and this is coming from a guy know, who like know, we've I talked know, about many times had high hopes for Luke Cunningham during the regular season and. He certainly uh, made me look like an like an idiot. Um, I mean, Luke Cunning was the only player. Luke Cunning is the only player on the Nashville Predators this season to dress in every game. He played in eighty-two regular season games, and of course, the playoff game. I thought you were down on the guy. That seems like a positive thing. I mean, I think it is a, availability is a positive thing, but you know, it's just. He's been so ineffective, yeah, I know. and it's you know I, I think where's Eric Ho- where's Eric Holla when you need him? Where's what? where's Eric Holla when you need him? Playing well for yeah, Boston, I know, I know. You know that's where he is right now. So Luke Cunning and David Riddick to the bench. Uh, I think that's I. I don't really think there's I don't think there's that many changes that need to be made. Um, I will say that. I mean, at some point, it's just you know to borrow the terrible, the, excuse me, to borrow the terrible cliche. It's rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's a terrible like, cliche. What what are they what are they go, what are they going yeah. to do? Yeah. What what are they going what? to do? I mean, they're not going to lose by five goals, hopefully on Thursday, but they're probably not going to win, and. I think we both, as we laid out this series, I think we both agreed that if the Predators were going to win a game, it was going to be one of the home games. Co- um, Colorado is 35-5-4 and four at home. Or 30, sorry, 32-5-4 and four at home. Uh, I will say... And I highly recommend... Have you ever been to a game I've not there? been to a game there. I've been to Denver many times. I love Denver. I highly recommend... Uh, I highly recommend attending okay. a, a, an Avalanche okay. game. It's a fabulous experience, especially since the team is good. When they were bad, it wasn't so, as fabulous. Let me spin, um, let me let me I'll, I'll spin one more positive here. And this is not necessarily about the outcome of the series, because I don't think either one of us are changing our predictions. But the positive is is that I learned a long time ago that hockey is not you feel like it can be a game of momentum, and you did lay out some stats about teams playing well at the end of the year that go on to win the championship. I I, I do think that momentum and and how how series play out is game to game. And I could totally see Nashville coming out with Ingram buoyed by a new goaltender playing much, you know, not John Hines teams have reacted well all season long to these sort of challenging moments back against the wall. I know Matias Ekholm was talking about that a lot this week. So I just, I, I expect them to play much better in game two. Is it enough to get a win on the road against Colorado? Probably not. And, and this gets to where I think Colorado really is, which is if Darcy Kemper's going to play like that and they're going to get actual goaltending, that that is the difference between this Colorado team being a team that cannot get past the second round and a team that hoists the cup at the end of the whole thing. Like if they get goaltending, I don't know who's going to beat them, honestly. And it's not even a Predators problem. It might be everybody else in the league's problem <laughs> because their top end talent is absurd. Like it's which is not anything new. Like this is not you know earth shattering stuff here. So 
I think the predator should be sending a thank you basket of some kind to are there thank you baskets? Thank I think you so. Notes? You can get a basket like a fruit or cheeses and yeah. wines or something. Yeah, like a like an edible yeah, arrangement. Like some, some I, I fancy think the meats and cheeses. An edible, yes, I think they should send an edible an edible arrangement to the Pittsburgh Penguins and New York Rangers who went to triple overtime last night, keeping the game on ESPNU. <laughs> That's um, so mean spirit. You know, that. It, it, but you know that was a great oh, game, by the amazing way. Amazing game! I think Igor Pesterkin made like seventy saves. Well, I, I looked up like at that. one time and it was like shot seventy three to sixty eight, and I was like, "Yikes!" But that's what happens—you get to triple overtime. So, yeah. Okay. Um, well, any like here's the I'll, we'll last we'll wrap up on this point, and that is you and I have had a big debate the last couple of weeks about how we define success for the competitive rebuild, and I have long told you, and you disagree a little bit. And you think that a, a little bit more value should be placed or, or weight should be placed on how they perform in this series. Even without Soros, I can understand your side of that discussion. I have sort of said, no matter what happens, they are going to be like, this will be considered a successful season and expectations will be raised. And I was thinking about this during the game. No matter what happens to them, whether they get swept 0-4 or whether they won the series, expectations are going to be raised next year, no matter what happens in the series. So I stand by that part of it. If they lose seven to two in four straight games, then I I might allow myself to rethink. All right, this is just not. Maybe this isn't working. I don't want to overreact and be prisoner of one series because it's more about a big picture look at the franchise, which is what I try to go on. Um, but if they get completely housed and Colorado doesn't go on to win the cup, because if they go on to win the cup, you can kind of be like, okay, I get it. They run a mission. This has been four years in the in the coming, in the making, and they finally got goaltending, and now they're a champion. Like I, I can understand that, but if they go seven two five four straight games and get bounced in a in a sweep, without showing any fight, without showing any heart, I, that's that I I can start to see your side of things where it says, man, that that we we need to reevaluate some of these pieces. I, I guess I, I'm not I'm not willing to go there yet because I want to see how they play, but that's right, and and it's easy it's easy after. It's easy after a game like last night um, to overreact, right? And the, you know, I, I I've already seen plenty of uh, never Heinzer tweets out there, <laughs> as I like to call it. Um, and look, I, I think I mean it's it's a, it's a good question, and we can we can discuss this at length at on a, at a different time. But I, you know, it is an interesting conversation about. How much, this is going to sound so silly, but how much does coaching really matter? Like, you know, like when it comes to, when it comes to the penalties, for example, I mean, John Hines can preach repeatedly about the, about not taking what he called the other day, softer penalties, you know, penalties where you're using your stick because you're out of position and you're and you're making a desperation play, and you're you know you're hooking a guy or tripping a guy or or what have you. But at the end of the day, it's up to the players to execute yep. that. Yep. So, like, how much blame? I mean, how John should not be devoid of blame for the fact that this team takes more penalties than the other team in the league. But how much of that is on him versus the players just not being able to execute? Like I, I always think that's an interesting conversation to have whenever things are going wrong for a team because everyone wants to say he's a bad coach, 
you know, that's that's my kind of voice. Nice. For the, okay. For the show. That's it. That's all you got. Um, He's a bad coach. They should have never hired him because he couldn't win in New Jersey. There's the voice. There was some um, South Park in there. But, 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 there was some South Park in there. But that's 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 the interesting point. So it's like I mean, I'll pose that question to you, and then we can wrap up. It's just like, I mean, coaching obviously is important, and you know, John has done a good job getting a lot more out of these guys than we anticipated. But when it comes to stuff like the penalties, like how much of that is on the coaching staff versus the players not executing the coach's vision? That's it's a t- Because he can't go out there and correct them during I, the game. I, like go actually physically right, on right, the right. ice. So, so I don't – this is a tough question and we can wrap up on this. I don't think – I think it almost depends on your view of of sports to some degree because I don't like you're never going to really know hey has John Hines been teaching x y or z and that player just couldn't execute x y or z consistently or maybe the technique was taught poorly like you see what I'm saying like to actually know the answer to that question you you have to take every single incident of a mistake and then trace it back to why it happened and I think that's virtually impossible so I think it kind of depends on how you as a, as a fan or a media member or an expert or, you know, view the athlete coach dynamic. If you're going to give most, I think you need to be consistent. If you are going to give most of the credit for a team's success or failure because of the coach, like in football, I think coaches have far more impact. Whereas in the NBA, for example, it's almost exclusively about John Morant, which by the way, holy shit on Tuesday night, what a performance. I feel like, especially in sports where, the the flow of play is is continuous so specifically basketball and hockey i feel like coaching strategy again this might No no i think i i know where you're going here i think you're right but i feel like coaching strategy is less yeah. is i'm going to say less important but like in baseball baseball is a what's the word you know you you have a strategy on every baseball, pitch in baseball right there's yep. shifting yeah, no, and, and and things of, and things of that nature where you know you're the pitcher is throwing the ball to the batter, and you know you can plan, like you said, for every pitch, every single batter. You can game plan. You can intentional walk. You can shift. You can do whatever. Yeah, up um, in the zone, and, down in know, the football, yeah, up in I the think, zone, down in the zone. Like ball strike. Like yeah, you right, can do everything. Right. With with the fluidity of hockey and basketball, I more so hockey because basketball. You know, some teams set up in the half court and, and run an offense yeah. that way. <laughs> But I'm not sure too many NBA teams are running, quote unquote, running an offense. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean, though? But like, you know, a a team can if a team, you know, a lot of teams like to get out and run. But there are teams that like to play in the half court and you can run sets in the half court. But when it comes to hockey, I feel like, you know, there's a system in place. And you don't really deviate from that system. And I think it becomes almost, you know, I guess you could say, you know, second nature. I don't know. But basically, I think that my, my point is that when, impro- when, imp- Hines- when improvisation is more a part of the game in the fluidity of basketball and hockey, it's more about the players is what you're getting at. And I, I don't disagree. Yes. I don't disagree with that. I think that's fair. Football and baseball. I think it's more about your play on play decision making as a, as a staff, a team, an organization. But I will say again to finish my point. I think it need it's about being consistent. 
if you are going to consistently say, I think the coach is doing a great job and the coach is getting this accomplished and all the good things we're going to credit to this team are because of the coach and the strategy and the scheme, then you need to also then lay all of the blame at that person's feet. If you're going to give all the credit when a team wins to the players, then you have to then give the blame to the players. I just want you to be consistent about it. If you are in the media or a fan, I want you to be consistent. And in hockey, I tend to agree with you. It's more about the players. And if that's the case, then that means you have to give them the good and the bad. Uh, that's 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 my issue. Is if you're going to say when they win, it's all about the players, but when they lose, it's all about the coach. That to me is 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 bad logic, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with that. And it, you know, I think one thing that works against John specifically, and look, we appreciate the fact that that John is um, does a great job of explaining things. Um, you know, he's, you know, I've learned a lot listening to John Hines speak. Um, but you know, what are the two, what are the cornerstones or what is the cornerstone of his philosophy? Mental toughness. That's what he talks about all the time. And I agree that this team two and a half years ago was fragile AF and, I don't think they're fragile anymore, even with last night's result. But if you are the coach that preaches mental toughness when your team goes down 5 nothing in the first 15 minutes, it seems kind of silly. Yeah. So I, I understand I understand where he's coming from, and I, and I generally agree with his philosophy about how this team ha- has become much more resilient. Um, over the past couple of years than it was before. Um, but when, when, if that is your calling card, if that's something that you that you preach regularly, when your team lays an egg like it did last night, it, it, it just it doesn't yeah. it doesn't sit right with no, people. I know. And that's and no. that's the problem. And that's that's uh, that's they, the problem that he faces. Th- this is a gut check, cliche, back against the wall, cliche, cliche, cliche. They just they just need to be better. That's it. Show, show us some fight. Show us that you're better um, in game number two. I, I think they will be. Uh, I went six one on game one. I was pretty close. I'm gonna go four two with an empty netter, but it's a three two game in the third period, and we feel like the Preds played a lot better, and it still wasn't enough. Uh, Connor Ingram plays okay, uh, solid, not great, and the Avalanche take a 2-0 series lead. What you got on Thursday night? Yeah, I think the the Avalanche will win again. I would tend to agree with you that 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 I think it's going to be a closer game. Um, I will say three one. Right. I'll say. The Predators get out to a one nothing lead Ooh. and do a decent job of holding the Avalanche at bay. The Avalanche eventually get one, get another. The Predators press for the tying goal. Avalanche score into the empty net. There you have it, folks. So I think, I think we'll say 3-1. There you have it. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday morning. Make sure you pay for good journalism. Make sure you go... Follow him on Twitter at Adam Vingan. Of course, you can follow me at Braden Gall. Make sure you're checking out the YouTube page. Subscribe, all that good stuff. Jaspers, of course, on West End, our, our great title sponsor. So make sure you're checking them out. Free parking, great game room, the best air hockey table in the city. And, of course, $3 beers and $10 burgers for just a couple more Preds games. Or maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, for Adam, my name's Braden. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you again later this week. 
Best of luck, guys, in game number two. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.